It is mind-blowing. And heartbreaking. How many original scripts are written every year but are never made? So we seek out these scripts and bring them to life with full audio production and professional actors. Check us out at Undiscover Scripts. Movies made of paper. Wherever you get your podcasts. Free! We're making an ad. Napping ads. This is where I think if we're doing it right, Alec Baldwin comes in. He says a couple things. Mm. He listens to the podcast every week. Has he been canceled? Wait, is Alec Baldwin the one who killed somebody? I hear that Gary Sinise is free. Oh, okay, great. He hasn't worked since 2020. (laughs) So um, what would be the script that we would have Gary Sinise say for the Napping Through Happy Hour podcast? Listen to this damn show. Damn it. The Napping Through Happy Hour podcast brought to you by Geekscape. Real life, real drama, real time. I'm Gary Sinise. That's the ad. That's the ad. That's the ad. Matt, this might be the most bloated mailbag episode we've done because there are so many things that i have written down that we need to talk about the bag is full guys the bag is full but there's also a couple things we need to mention right so mm-hmm. i'm going to try to i'm going to bounce back and forth i'm going to split things up and we're going to talk about specific topics that i have written down and then we'll go to a question in the mailbag and then we'll okay. go back to one of the topics so i'm going to start with the easiest one when i was going through the weird owl appearances on tv one of the things that came up was USA Up All Night, hosted by one of your former employers, Gilbert Gottfried. It's a weird little like minute segment. It looks like it's completely improvised on the spot interview with Al, where he is just on a whole level of quick wit it throughout this entire conversation and a dash of flirty. A dash I was going to say, so the show is primarily hosted by Gilbert Gottfried, but he is doing an interview with Rhonda Shear. Who is like Gilbert's co-host. Yes, yes. And it's funny because, okay, so I don't, did you watch this show? I actually don't remember USA Up All Night. I don't, I, I didn't. I know that people loved it and I've watched yeah. clips of it. I think what happened that was probably more in our wheelhouse was Immediately after USA Up All Night got canceled, I believe is when USA bought Monster Vision with Joe Bob Briggs. So I think that this was kind of the precursor version of that. Sure. Um, now gotcha. what? Now the other thing about Up All Night is because I looked it up the one day. I think it has like seven hundred episodes or something wow. crazy. Because I think it was literally like a Friday, Saturday, Sunday night show, like every weekend. And then they would do reruns and stuff like that. But it was sure, yeah, basically yeah. that they would play old horror movies. Well, old horror, like horror movies and like sleazy comedies. Yeah, like culty B stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like I remember reading that the most requested film to like replay on Up All Night was a film that I enjoy, but it's sleazy, called Sorority Babes in the Slime Ball Bolorama. <laughs> Starring Linnea Quigley. Like, <laughs> I've heard of that. I've never seen that. I've, I've heard of that. And I know Linnea Quigley, of course. But I, I um, uh, that makes sense. Yeah, but that's the vibe. Based on the, like, yeah, I was going to say, in the clip, so it is uh, the woman interviewing Al is Rhonda Shear, who is, you know, in like a sort of like bikini top 
and she is like, or like a halter top, I should say, actually. But she is like, the start of the interview is her just super excited and is just like bouncing up and down to interview him. It is like clearly oozing with like, this is late night TV and we can be a little bit more risque. And even though nothing is, well, that's not true. Like she... <laughs> She starts jumping she, around, and Al says, your ratings are about to go up. <laughs> uh, yes. The two of them start jumping up and down together, and Al says, the ratings are going up right now. But also, she is like, Al is, of course, dressed like he normally is with his weird, like, very patterned shirt and um, his, like, you know, Converse uh, shoes on. And she does, like, a, oh, like, let's see him. And she, like, lifts his leg to show his full ensemble. And then Al turns around and lifts her leg over her head. And then lifts his leg again. Like... The two, and then, so now Al is holding one of her legs above his head and one of his legs above his head. That's most of the segment. Yeah, it's a very weird, it's it's not something we can talk too much about, but still wanted us to mention it. Wanted us to I mention it. I like the it. fact that it was, it definitely seemed like Al was a little uncomfortable with how, like, again, she is like, uh, towards the end of it especially, she just kind of starts, oh yeah, he sings a song. He's like, I made up a song about you. And it's just clearly this off the top of her head. Yeah, he's like, off Rhonda, the top of his head. Rhonda. And she, uh, yeah. And she starts dancing up against him, like, very, like... He says... In a forward way. You can tell that he's making it up off the top of his head because he sings a lyric that makes no sense, which is that he says, Rhonda, I watch you on my Walkman in my Honda. <laughs> Walkmans don't have screens. <laughs> no, Walkmans don't have screens. I don't know why you, he says... That's right. <laughs> I watch you on my Walkman in my Honda. And then he's like, that's all I got so far. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. Poor Al. I mean, again, one of those moments, they probably just threw him in front of a camera. They were like, don't worry, you'll be fine. Just go with it. And he was like, okay. And then, you know, this, you know, young, attractive woman jumping up and down in front of him. He probably was like, Oh my God, I gotta, <laughs> I gotta pivot this to another direction very quickly. All right. Well, let's go to a mailbag question real quick. Yes. So this one comes from Mike. And guys, some of these, uh, I'm not sure if you knew this, but the last mailbag episode that we did, somehow our our website form was sending everything to the spam folder. So a few of these are still tied to the UHF chunk of stuff. Sorry, guys. I'll take the blame for that. As the guy who made the website. No, it was me because I think we were getting so much spam mail that I accidentally marked one of them as junk and then it just redirected all of it. from there, yeah. (laughs) So this is from Mike and he says... Mailbag question. We've heard between this show and other Matt Kelly produced podcasts that you guys might share an affinity for professional wrestling and Weird Al Yankovic. If Al Yankovic was to allow any of his songs to be used as your entrance theme, which would you go to for the best song? If you want to further alienate your audience, you can also put together a dream Weird Al themed wrestling event with match stipulations like the Amish paradise. (laughs) On a dirt street. <laughs> I feel like I could do this, and you two are possibly the only other people in the entire world whom would find this fascinating. Great show. Keep it up. Um, Matt, obviously, I read this question uh, today, so I had a, a question. Spoiler alert is I see the questions and then spring them on Matt Milligan. So yes, he's usually, I, don't, I don't see these in advance, so he's I'm usually reacting th- in real time. Thinking on his feet. I feel like it's a cliche answer. But my go-to was like, Dare to be Stupid is such a perfect entrance theme to me. Like, just walking yeah. into that, like, it's like, you don't even need the lyrics to come in. Just the instrumental is perfect. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, that's a great, that's a great pick. Oh, God, this is so tough because it's like, 
I mean, the first thing I like, I mean, this is almost unfair to say, but I like we could do, uh, um, I mean, the theme from Rocky 13. <laughs> That's so I, I did just I'm stealing Eye of the Tiger yeah. for my own uh, pump up music, which is I mean, you're not going to find much better pump up music than Eye of the Tiger. Yeah. But if it's um, if it's 1990s WWF at that point, like I could see it. You're just like a, a butcher. Coming down to the ring, you've got like your little butcher. Absolutely, yeah, like, yeah. So um, the only other one that popped into my head was like that opening to Nature Trail to Hell. I could see like the lights all out and that like. You know what, Matt? That's that's really good. You're absolutely. That's a great. That's a great pick. Uh, you know what? If you're if if you bail on Dare to Be Stupid, if you keep Dare to Be Stupid, I'm going to take that one All instead. Right, that's you, a that's a great um yeah I'm there, into that. There you go. Well, let's go to something else that I found for us, which was, were you aware of Square One Television? I was not, but so many people have mentioned this to us in our Facebook group. I was not. I was not. So from what I understand, Square One Television was produced by the Sesame Workshop. Um, it was like a spinoff show that was strictly about teaching mathematics. And we got two segments with Al. The one feels like it's half of a storyline because it ends with a to be continued. But Al plays a DJ named Mary the Mouth. And it looks like it's a almost like a dragnet parody of them trying to arrest him for payola. And I guess they're going to teach kids what payola is because, boy, <laughs> don't eight eight-year-olds need to know. <laughs> The way the record industry works. You know, someone's got to teach the kids about payola, and, you know, Al's here to do it. But I, it's kind of interesting because it's one of the few times where you see Al fully playing a jerk. Like, he is just supposed to be the worst kind of person in this. He calls the the woman uh, detective baby doll. <laughs> <laughs> Did you catch what uh, the radio which... station's ID numbers are? Oh, no, I didn't. It's W-O-Y-P-Y-Me. <laughs> <laughs> that's good no it's uh super super quick and yeah he's got the shades on and he's just being like a total like the uh, uh, an obnoxious radio personality which this show um, started airing in 1991 totally makes sense this is like right at the peak of a howard stern type vibe he's clearly playing that he's playing that shock jock morning drive time radio jerk uh yeah and he's nailing it because al's a very good actor, honestly. Every time that we watch something that he Al's is. acting in, I'm floored by. But well, he also loves the opportunity, any chance to skewer something in the music industry. You know, he oh. is going to jump on with with all of his enthusiasm. It's uh, yeah, he loves to make fun of all of these things, Feet including first. payola. Feet. Should we explain to people what payola is? Do people know what that is? So I barely know what it is. I'm going to say, if I recall correctly, that payola is basically the idea of giving a large sum of money to a record label or to a radio station to have a specific amount of spins per day on the station. Correct. That's exactly right. Yeah, that's exactly right. It's, it's technically it's illegal. Yeah. Um, and yet it is so unbelievably commonplace, especially back in the day when radio was, I mean, radio is still very influential, but uh, you know, for decades, radio was everything. And your song getting played on the radio was the marker of whether or not people, anyone would hear it. And kind of not surprisingly, but uh, labels would pay radio stations tons of money to feature certain songs over others. And then it became like a bidding war. The radio station sitting there and it's like, well, 
Columbia just gave us this much money to play this song, but then Universal gave us way more money to play theirs. So it's like, we'll play them both, but you know, they're just, they're, they're following the money. Um, it is, it, it has gone to court multiple times. It is indeed illegal. It's essentially just bribing for preferential treatment. It um, feels but like it, was it also so commonplace. I was gonna say it also feels like it's probably something that's wildly difficult to enforce. Um, that's the thing, right? Yeah, yeah exactly. Because it I know, was, like but, uh, Chris Fafalios has said this either on this show or One Hit Thunder or a million other things. But he was like, I was just always under the impression that that's how radio worked anyway. Like it's like I know, it's such it's a funny, common practice at this point that it just feels like yes, of course the labels pay a lot of money for their artists to get played. Like that just seems to make sense. So. Yeah, it's, it's a weird thing because even now, like in the social media world, you hear of people who pay for spins on Spotify. You pay yeah. for people who get Instagram followers. And that's not in this world. The other part of it is that when radio stations play a song, then they have to pay royalties on the song. So it's this like it's almost like money laundering, right? Like the label is giving them money and then that money comes back um, in a different form later. I mean, it's not one to one, but that's why it's it's considered so uh, so shady. Yeah. So. Well, yeah. we'll come back to Square One Television in a second. I'm going to pull mm-hmm. another letter out of the mailbag. Yes. Uh, this one is from Damien. And he said, hey, guys, as the UHF soundtrack comes to a close, we also come to the end of an era, the Weird Al albums produced by Rick Derringer. I think it would be interesting to compare the sounds of the latter albums to the one, uh, the latter ones that you've already covered. Personally, from a producer standpoint, I think the albums Al produced sound a lot better. On that note, you guys have mentioned how great Jim West's guitar playing is, but if you notice, every album credits Rick Derringer as playing additional guitar. I have to wonder how much of the playing on these early albums is Jim and how much is Rick. We all know that Rick played the guitar solo in Eat It. It's been great listening to you guys dissect Al's 80s output. Can't wait for you to bring on the 90s. That's a great, great question. I mean, obviously, it goes without saying, would love, love, love to have Jim West on to talk about this because it's it's really unknowable. Like, when you do those credits, it doesn't specify what songs... None of the albums specify which songs Rick Derringer is on versus not on. As we said, it's it's documented that he did the uh, the Eat It solo. Um, beyond that, I don't think we have any exact references um, anywhere, do we? No, no. I don't think so. And I almost wonder... Because Rick Derringer doesn't seem like the greatest human being on the planet. Um, I wonder if, because people are egomaniacs all the time. I wonder if there was some stipulation that if he produced your record, that he also had to be credited for some of the guitar work in there. Um, It's possible. It's also possible that it was just like, depending on the nature of the producer. Yeah, just um, layering in a second guitar and just thinking, "Ah, I'll just do it myself. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, honestly, you can. There's a lot of scenarios here you can envision. I can envision a scenario where the band goes home and come back the next day, and Rick has already laid guitar down. Yeah, and then it's like, oh yeah, no, I took care of it. And then Jim is like, okay, yeah, like, do I? <laughs> yeah, I, so I guess we could I go redo back to it, bed? but that's a waste of yeah. time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, um, and uh, and in other cases, maybe it was a particularly tricky part. Maybe it like in Eat It, maybe uh. Rick just happened to already know that solo and Jim didn't have it yet. I really don't know. Um, I wonder to a certain extent, because they never really gave us the full scope of why Al and Rick stopped working together, right? Like, mm-hmm. I wonder if Rick was pulling a lot of like what you hear that like Billy Corgan was doing, where he would like have these guys come in and record and then just record his part 
like would re-record it thinking, mm-hmm. oh, I'm better than that. And yep. like Al just kind of getting fed up with that type of attitude and being like, all right, we don't need this guy anymore. Like we, I, there was definitely I've a, <laughs> yeah, there was definitely a quote from Al that said something very basic of just like, he felt like that he had made enough records that he could do it himself. And yeah. like that, it, the relationship had run its course and he wanted to take the reins. It's not an unusual thing in music that like, especially when you sign a major label deal, they, the label insists on pairing you with a producer because that's someone they trust you're unknown, you're just starting out, and they have no idea what you can do in a studio. Yeah. Uh, and then after doing a couple records, some artists like working with producers, and other artists really want to produce themselves, and that's something you earn Over time. After, yeah. pr- after proof of success. Um, and I think Al probably just, I mean, maybe Rick Derringer, I, we, like UHF was the last thing, right? That's what we were saying? That's the la- I'm pretty sure that was the last thing, and even that, I think, was pretty heavily Al- co-produced yeah and maybe rick because again that was not at this point al has had ups and downs when rick leaves and maybe he just rick derringer might have also thought like this has run its course al has run its course and like i don't want to you know go down with the ship it's entirely possible especially post uhf yeah that that might have been because that seemed like the end to to quote boys to men that seemed like the end of the road for for (laughs) it Um, It was certainly possible. So we're going to jump back to Square One Television, though, to talk about a song that many people have asked us if we're going to cover. And Matt, I got to ask you, does this constitute as a ranking episode, like a a song to rank? Because this is a full-ass three-minute original song that Al Yankovic has performed for this show about patterns. And I'm not going to lie, this song rules. The song song is great. It's, it's, yes. I'm going to say it is, yeah, three minutes and 15 seconds long. I'm going to say that it doesn't count. And the reason why it doesn't count is because Al did not write it. Oh, okay. The staff of the Children's Television Workshop wrote the track and Al performs it it for the show. So, well, they did a great uh, job of catching Al's voice and humor in their songwriting. I'm sure Al probably you know, did some things to make it his own. Cause it is very much like well, I had to look it up and I was like, wow, that's it's, if anything, the only thing I thought to myself, I was like, this is the most um, like just generic, an original song that feels like the, the base of it is like a generic polka thing. Mm-hmm. Like the interstitial polka stuff that he does when he's bouncing between songs. Um, but no, this, this writer, I, I'm going to give credit by name, David Yazbek, who wrote for children's television workshop for PBS, um, wrote the track, um, uh, he went on to write many famous Broadway musicals, such as The Full Monty and Dirty Rotten Scoundrels. So he was uh, no slouch himself. But um, I would love, as a as a bonus episode one day or something, I would love to get in touch with somebody who works in the music department at the Children's Workshop. Because mm. I would say even earlier than Al, Sesame Street themselves used so much parody. Like, there are so songs... Much that I remember from my childhood, like it's hip to be a square or letter B like (laughs) that, that were used for like educational purposes. They were really good. Like it actually shocks me that Al hasn't done more with the children's. I know. I thought the same thing. Cause it feels like those are just two worlds that, that go together so well. Cause they're both so wholesome at their core yeah, and very good at like funny education, even like Al's, Style parodies can sometimes be like well researched and totally and small like something like Germs. It's like he, 
Or even like living oh, with yeah. a hernia, like he's teaching you medical terms throughout the oh, goofiness. Oh yeah, we're about. learning all the types of hernia that you can get. <laughs> <Yes>. um, uh, <laughs> uh, no, I remember when we did I Want a New Duck, I think I said in that episode that I think that it's hip to be a square is a better Huey Lewis parody. Yeah, it, it truly is. Um, <laughs> By uh, Sesame Street. No, no, no. It's, uh, you know what? Especially as Al gets, maybe that'll happen. I don't know. You know, um, it must be interesting from Al's perspective because he is not a, he's not a children's artist. Yeah. Really. No, not at all. He's, a, he's like a teenager. He's like a, his main demographic is like elementary to middle school, right? Exactly. And then it's and it's then adolescent. people like us who've grown up with it, like correct. Yeah, it's it's adolescent humor, but it's not Sesame Street. And I don't know how he would feel about. I mean, I think the fact that in this he is such a natural, like he feels so perfectly at home doing this pattern song that I agree it is surprising he has not done more over the years. I was just gonna say maybe as he gets older. And his focus shifts. Maybe that would be something he would get into. I would think that he would just love that. Yeah. It must be so like free and creative, and also for like a what a wonderful. I mean, I mean, what a better organization to work with than PBS. You, I mean, my God, you can't tell me that all of Weedus. If if Sesame Street wrote to you after the TikTok teenage dirtbag uh-huh. thing and said, "Hey, we want to do a parody of Teenage Dirtbag for Sesame Street. Would you guys want to come on?" And perform it like why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't to you? be on Sesame Street? Like that's <laughs> like I would I would take that over the Grammys. Yeah, like, you know what I mean. Like like that, that is, is insane. That would be so. Yeah. and that's the thing. You there is like no person I have heard of who has been on Sesame Street and didn't report it as being like the best day of their entire life. Yeah, <laughs> like, it's amazing. It's amazing. No, that's that seems like a dream. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. So I do want to call out one lyric that just made me laugh. Uh, mm-hmm. Which is, he says, a Pokemeister like myself never has to be bored. I just grab my axe and play some patterns <laughs> on my keyboard. <laughs> I love the yeah him talking about the patterns on the on his keyboard performance and then just the zoom on his hand. Oh my god! Um, and then also the absurdly long like this is like an acid trip. There are parts in this s- song where it's like multiple. Uh, Mr. Potato Head dolls floating around with Al's mouth singing backup vocals. Like, it is a weird... Look up Weird Al Patterns if you've never seen this. Because the song is cool, but the video is visually insane. The visual... Yeah, the video is amazing. The song is super fun as well. Um, And... Yeah, it, it's tragically low quality online, unfortunately. Another one of those rips that, you know, I'm glad got saved at all. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's it's so good. I actually am going to, like, even take a look at because the line right after that, I like, um, the polka meister like myself never has to be bored. I just grab my axe and play patterns on my keyboard. Now's the time for earplugs if you care about your health. So stand back, everybody. I'm going to express myself. Yeah. Dude, and then he I rips a great like, accordion, and and I I think I caught Jim West, Steve J, and John Bermuda Schwartz in the little polka band, the behind little brass it. band. Yeah, yeah I was, think that think that was them. It was definitely Bermuda on the drum. Yeah, and um, I think it was Jim on the. But, I think yeah. it was Jim on the banjo, and I don't know if if Steve J plays a woodwind instrument, but it kind of looked like it may have been him. It is mind-blowing. And heartbreaking. How many original scripts are written every year but are never made? So we seek out these scripts and bring them to life with full audio production and professional actors. Check us out at Undiscover Scripts. Movies made of paper. Wherever you get your podcasts. Free! We're making an ad. Napping ad. This is where I think if we're doing it right, Alec Baldwin comes in. 
He says a couple things. Mm-hmm. He listens to the podcast every week. Yep. Has he been canceled? Was Alec Baldwin the one who killed somebody? I hear that Gary Sinise is free. Oh, okay, great. He hasn't worked since 2020. <laughs> So, um, what would be the script that we would have Gary Sinise say for the Napping Through Happy Hour podcast? Listen to this damn show. Damn it. The Napping Through Happy Hour podcast brought to you by Geekscape. Real life, real drama, real time. I'm Gary Sinise. That's the ad! That's the ad. That's the ad. Are you a fan of young adult novels? Have you ever wondered the stories behind the people who wrote your favorite young adult novels? Then join author Eric J. Brown and Alyssa Lube of Netflix's The Circle every other Tuesday on YAOK. Available on all podcasting apps. Woo! Uh, let's go back to the mailbag. We're going to open up another pack of mail. This one comes from Paul. And he says, oh man, we got... We got called out, Matt. He says, good, good morning, guys. I'm listening to your spam episode on my way to work, and I've noticed that you had omitted a very famous cultural spam appearance. Monty Python has a sketch in which two people in a diner are listening to a menu that gets increasingly spam- spammy and culminates in a group of Vikings singing spam, spam, spamity, spam. I discovered this after Al spam, but it was a frequent joke among my high school friends and is still sung by me along with Weird Al nearly every time spam comes up with in conversation. I wasn't much of a spam eater until a friend from Singapore opened a restaurant and included spam on the menu. My 11-year-old daughter was so taken with it that she began making it at home, and now it is a family favorite. Weird. It constantly is <laughs> marinating in spam. It, it consists of marinating spam in sugar and soy sauce, and frying it in a cast iron pan, putting it on some sort of grain uh, grain rice, which we shaped using a cut with a spam can and wrapping it in nori. Highly recommend it. You guys are awesome, wow. Paul. P.S. I'm only midway through the episode, just arriving at work. <laughs> Apologies if you actually mentioned the Monty Python sketch of the later. <laughs> I was just gonna say I think I did mention yeah, Monty Python. Yeah, you definitely did, but I I liked taking you on that journey. That was great. That was great. I Because I think I actually remember it came up kind of late because I feel like I said out loud, like, you know, the joking about spam, like is Al the origin of that? And I was like, oh, wait, no, of course, Monty Python spam a lot. Like yeah. it's still a thing to this day. Like that was and we know that obviously Al grew up watching and loving Monty Python. Like that's not the first time we've referenced them as a uh, comedy reference for Al. Um, so for sure. Yes, absolutely. Must give much credit to uh, the geniuses in Monty Python for uh for for being the first, probably have to be the first to really make fun of spam. All right. Well, <laughs> next up, I have something that I want to mention that ties to the Al TV episode that we just released, which Ooh. is, of course, that I purchased Babalu Music and sent it to Matt. Yes. <laughs> and I actually, tragically, I was away and I just got home and I have not downloaded it yet. Oh, you should download it. So I will tell you a little bit about this album. Please um, do. So you know the Babalu Music video from the Al TV yes. thing. That's kind of the only thing that Al directly has any fingerprints on. The rest is basically just a Desi Arnaz greatest hits album of remastered songs from the I Love Lucy show. So it's songs like Cuban Pete is on there. 
the I Love Lucy theme with lyrics that he wrote, that he sings the lyrics to the theme song. Um, a couple little quick, like, 30-second audio clips from the show. It, it truly is an I Love Lucy greatest hits album um, that just happens to have this really interesting opening track produced by Al Yankovic. I think I saw, I mean, technically he gets credit for having produced, I think quote, he unquote, was the in record. the room organizing yeah, like he everything. Put, he put it together as this compilation of previously released material, but the remix, the new, like whatever new element of that track would have been that he had a more direct musical hand in. Yes. Yeah. Um. So just wanted to say we, we're, we're caught up on that. I don't think it's something that we'll ever do a full episode or rank, but uh, wanted to at least shout it out here on the mailbag. You're a champion for getting that, Matt. That was very, very, very clutch. I just downloaded it now nice. while we're talking. So, no, uh, so, but we go in back to the mailbag because this also kind of ties to the LTV episode because this came in um, again before we got onto off the deep end. This was a little bit of an older message. It said, "Hey, great work on the podcast. I've been listening since I caught the dog eat dog clip on TikTok." Hell yeah! So the TikTok clips are working. Um, I'm a little <laughs> Good bit. Job, Matt. I'm a little bit older than y'all, and he's on TikTok. Hell yeah! Uh, to give <laughs> to give an idea, my closest Al experience was when my friends and I cut class in high school to go meet him at an Alapalooza signing at the Blockbuster, when we signed our where he signed our hall passes from school. I've been procrastinating sending a message, but with off the deep end coming up, I wanted to mention this. I love the episodes where you discuss LTV. For me growing up, before the internet was prevalent, LTV episodes were a rare gem that I would stumble across by chance. I recorded a chunk of the Off the Deep End one on VHS and would watch it over and over again. That would be where I first heard of bands like They Might Be Giants and Madness. But as I've heard you mention before that some of these archival recordings have music videos edited out. I wanted to give you a heads up that the music videos also contained a lot of comedy. I would overdub the videos with bizarre utterances and jokes. I specifically remember a few of them always cracked me up, like him screaming, consider this over the lyrics of losing my religion. (laughs) I searched online just now and see that I, to see if I had completely fabricated the memory, but I actually found evidence of it on YouTube. I was concerned that y'all might find an edited version of the Al TV episode and miss up on some of this formulative humor for me. So, so here I am rambling and sending an email. Keep up the great work. I really look forward to hearing you shift through the genius in France episode with a fine tooth comb. Oh, we will. We absolutely will. Oh, that's so fitting, Matt. That's yeah, perfect. I know. These are, these are weirdly timely. And that's, we finally found a like pure, full uh, we, Al TV. Archive, and it was so so satisfying. It was so satisfying. Archive is definitely going to have to be where we check for uh, future ones. I got yeah. another thing that we're going to bring up real quick. I'm not sure if you had time to watch it, but I did finally watch the Millie Vanilli documentary. Oh, I did not get to see it yet. Okay, it's good. How was it? It's very yeah. good. I, I recommend it. Um, and, you know, I... R.I.P. The the man behind Milli Vanilli has passed away since. That's right. We recorded the plumbing song episode, so it came out. He died like days after we released. Days that after that episode came out, we killed him. Yeah, directly. We did. We killed him. He, he was so. He heard the episode, by... got so mad. <laughs> and we blamed was... we blamed him for all the controversy, which was correct. Yeah, that was the correct. And all opinion. he could do was uh, die in disgrace. <laughs> but just wanted to shout that out. It's I've watched it. It's great. I recommend all of our listeners check it out. All right, uh, I'm going to have to do that. We've got an email that the name just says, again, why? <laughs> so <laughs> great. here we go. And it says, hi, great podcast, like absolutely amazing. Question, 
Around Straight Out of Linwood, Al's Band formed a band called Al's Band and released a song called Al's Band, a song about the story of how Al formed his band. I would love for you guys to talk about it. Are you familiar with this at all? I am not. That, <laughs> like, literally, you were mid-sentence, and I started Googling it, so I was like, what? Um, I'll be damned. Now, again, yeah. why, again, why also message us uh, another one, and he said, hi, I'm back. If my last email got in, I'm also here to say that there is a rare Weird Al performance of Poke Your Eyes Out with the Poke night, uh, Poke's on 45 mashed in. This mashup possibly came out when Poke Your Eyes Out wasn't finished yet. Always love your show. Here's the link. I'm clicking this link now. Yeah, wow. Okay. I'm going to I'm going to send this to you and we will make a note that we have to talk about this on the next mailbag because this is awesome. Perfect. Let's do it. And also, I mean, I just found it's on uh YouTube, Al's Band by Al's Band. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So That is that is really good intel, guys. Thank you. So I had no idea that was a thing. That's crazy. All right. I'm writing this down uh in our in our my little folder where I store what we're going to talk about for future mailbag episodes. We're, we're on top of our game here. Um, Al's Band have a song called Al's Band, and Al's Band also have a song called We've Never Played in Hawaii. <laughs> uh, they didn't sign this, but it said, Hey, Matt Kelly said I should send this in, so here it is. Copy and paste it from a Facebook post. I've been wondering about this for 20 years, and this seems like a good time as any to ask. Why does Al sing Check Out the Beat when Vanilla Ice's original is Check Out the Hook. It's a minor difference, but it's noticeable. Does this happen at other times other than when he inserted the word polka in place of poker face? That is, I remember seeing that on Facebook. The short answer is I have absolutely no idea. That is a really, really weird thing to do. Yeah. You know, the only thing I can think of is... We just recently uh, had Jarrett on for You Don't Love Me Anymore, mm -hmm. and we were talking about uh, the line, the the time that you made it with the whole hockey team, and Jarrett pointed out that maybe the original line was made out with the whole hockey team, but that's harder to enunciate and say. And sometimes you change a line because it's just easier to deliver at quick speed, and, and the, the speed and the tempo that Al does that track at, maybe it's check way out the beat. It's way faster than Vanilla Ice's original. It's by way a faster. Lot. <laughs> and maybe because you can do it yourself at home right now. Check out the beat. Beat is like a quick single syllable thing. Any word that starts with an H, check out the hook. Like it's it's not as um you can't hit it as yeah, precisely as and as articulately with that soft H as opposed to a hard buzz sound at the top. It could have been that simple. Al might have also just messed up yeah it's possible it's, he just got it wrong i i don't he's know human like the rest of us he he can I guess fail so. once in a while um i have one other non-mailbag thing to mention real quick and then we'll finish mm -hmm. up these mailbags uh because last week we were talking about little richard and the oh, yeah. uh, wheel of fortune there's a little richard documentary on max right now called little richard i am everything uh and Ooh. it's also right there with millie vanilli Pretty big recommend. Um, the life of, of Little Richard is a very interesting, kind of sad, tragic story at times. Uh, just because, you know, I I am definitely the more religious of the two of us. Uh, but mm -hmm. that documentary really highlights the, the battle of someone who is both queer and very religious. And how difficult that was for his entire life of, like, going through phases where... He was like out and proud and then 
other phases where he was vilifying uh, homosexuality and talking about how Christ could change him to a straight man at any time. Like, Ooh, it's a really yeah. tough, it's a really tough documentary to re- watch, but I think it's a beautiful documentary. And they properly call out something that I never really thought about, but they are absolutely right that, like, Little Richard is rock and roll. Like, when mm-hmm. you look at the music that was before Little Richard came onto the scene, like, what you think of as rock and roll music, like the 50s into 60s rock and roll music. He was the first one. He is the one with the flamboyant outfits and the like standing on his piano and screaming at the top of his lungs and like really, really, really making rock and roll music. Um, There's a video clip of him on, I think it was the Grammys or like some big award show. And he goes like he's presenting to someone else. And he goes off book and off script completely and yep. kind of goes on a rant. They talk about I don't know that. If they include this. They, they do. Yeah. They include in the doc. Yeah. Yeah. Where he was just basically like, I didn't get any awards. Yeah. Like, it's like, none of you, none of y'all would be here without me. He just goes on this whole thing <laughs> and the audience is like kind of laughing and clapping because it's not, it's totally true, but it's like, the, how much of it is a joke is it's a razor thin edge. So you can tell he really means it. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's hard being a pioneer. Yeah. Um, absolutely. And of course, yeah, especially unfortunately in early rock and roll, um, a tremendous amount of credit to, uh, you know, early black artists are the ones who pioneered rock and roll and generally do not get nearly enough credit. All right. Well, we've got three more quick emails. Uh, this one came from Evan. He said, hello, Matt and Matthew. Here is my maybe cringe worthy off the deep end story. Ooh. Back in elementary school, the teacher in music class let us bring in music to play if we all performed well. When this happened, I was eager to share my newfound love of Weird Al with my class. So I brought in off the, the Off the Deep End cassette and had it queued up to play my favorite song, Trigger Happy. Of all oh, God. The, <laughs> of all the songs, this is what I chose for my classmates to hear. Mind you, we were eight, maybe nine years old at this time when the album was fairly brand new. Wow. Yeah, that's uh you know what though? If it was fairly brand new in nineteen ninety two, probably not nearly the issue that it would be if you were telling us that story as a nine year old right now in two thousand. Can you imagine? Oh my god. <laughs> It'd I be a be, news uh, how, story. It would be a news story on- it, it would be on the news. It would be front page of Reddit. <laughs> this kid played trigger happy for his class. They got halfway through verse one before they closed the school. Everyone went home. Oh my god, brutal. So this one's not a question. I don't even know if this is something that wants to that want it to be read on the <laughs> mailbag, but I'm going to read it because Great. I want to give a shout out to to some people when I do this. And it sure. came in and it said, "Hi, this is Tim and Andy, the fe- from fellow po- Weird Al podcast producers, Weird Pals." Oh, cool. Um we really dig the show. We'd love to invite you both to join us on an upcoming episode we're, pro- we're producing for the song, I Think I'm a Clone Now. For this episode, we're using the song as a springboard to talk about other podcasts we're lovingly ripping off over the last few years. <laughs> so far, Dave and Ethan are in from the Frank's 2000-inch podcast, as well as Lauren from Beard, Beard Pals. Let us know if you want to jump in on the fun and throw us some weekdays that you're free-ish, and we'll pitch some recording dates with the data that we've gathered. Matt, there's, what a fun surprise that was yeah, to drop for me on this show. Yeah, there's no chance we're not saying yes to this, right? Of like, course we, we are. We Absolutely. Um, and then we have- That's really funny. You know, just one more quick note, because I uh, one of our guests from an early episode was um, 
MC Frontalot, who came on and talked about Christmas at Ground Zero. Yeah. And after he did that, those guys reached out to him and asked to have him on. And bless his heart, he messaged me and he was like, is it okay? Can I do this? Are these guys your rivals? And I was like, no, there's no rivals in in Weird Al's uh, world. There's that doesn't exist. Of course you can. So uh, so he did. I know he already went on. And then the last one. This is the one I hinted at. Uh, that I hinted at to you before we hit record on this. Yes. And I forgot to write down who sent this because I'm an idiot. But it said, <laughs> I am a bit curious. Will you ever do the Medium Rarities album? or any other commercially available yet non-album songs like Hamilton Polka and School Cafeteria. Now, I understand why they may have asked about School Cafeteria, because we did talk about it, but it was in an episode, it was our first episode, and it was just labeled the Dr. Demento Demos. So if you- We did School Cafeteria and Take Me Down. And the one about um, the car, um, something blues. Oh, Belvedere Cruising. Yeah, Um, Belvedere Cruising. Uh, we, three, yeah. We did those three on that episode. So you will get to hear us talk about School Cafeteria. Hamilton Polka, it was very much already in my list of when we get to that point, we do. 100%. But looking at the medium rarities list, there is enough stuff in there that we have not covered at all. I do think that maybe we should add medium rarities as an album that we do track by track, or maybe a cluster of some of the like more 32nd tracks. But I, I'm I, fine to do that. Yeah, because I, I know that's there's worth like. Doing. The th- his version of like the 30 rock theme. And there's some stuff in there that's very, very short. Um, but still, no, I'm, I'm absolutely happy to, uh, yeah. If nothing else, um, it won't be like an album that we rank. It probably won't even be songs that we rank, but I think that we can at least look at it and say like anything that's on there that we haven't already covered by some other means, right? Like if we mention the 30 rock theme, because he was on 30 rock for that episode. And we're going to be talking about that episode on the show. I don't think, the 30 rock theme needs its own episode, <laughs> but no, like, we'll, 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 we'll figure it out. Yeah. I mean, I, uh, I always keep thinking to myself now about when we had Lars on for let me be your hog. And we were like, should we rank this? Should we include it? And Lars was like, why are you even doing this project? If you're not going to just cover everything. <laughs> and I was like, that's a fair point. That so, is a fair point. Um, generally speaking. Yes. If it's something that Al, uh, like really did, um, yeah, we'll we'll absolutely cover it. I mean, again, at that very first episode was almost like our that was our pilot episode talking about three things that essentially are unreleased. I mean, they're quasi released tracks, but not, um, you know, they're not uh, strict part of dis- part of his discography. Um, but medium rarities is a proper release. So I would absolutely count that. And yeah. I think that that's totally worth covering completely. Right. Well, yeah. that sounds like a plan. Matt, I can't believe I'm about to say this, but next week is 100 episodes. It's insane. I mean, my God. What Where's have we the done? time gone? What have we done? <laughs> what have we done? <laughs> I mean, at this point, all of our listeners and these people who are writing in and, and telling us about Al's band, the band. Yeah. The band, Al's band. Like, you guys are part of this too now. Now we're just, you're, you're, you're uh, only prolonging this, uh, this process for us. We've created the, a beautiful- the path to 200 episodes. Yeah, we've created a beautiful little, uh, little world, haven't we? But- uh, We really have. Matt, I love doing this show with you. I can't wait to do a hundred more of these with you. A hundred more. A hundred more years. I must declare I got a flair for patterns.
on my hair, the clothes I wear, my savoir faire is patterns. All I see is patterns, the patterns that repeat. Let's go into the bathroom. I know we're in a room where you would not expect much math. It is mind-blowing. And heartbreaking. How many original scripts are written every year but are never made? So we seek out these scripts and bring them to life with full audio production and professional actors. Check us out at Undiscover Scripts. Movies made of paper. Wherever you get your podcasts. Free! We're making an ad. Napping ad. This is where I think if we're doing it right, Alec Baldwin comes in. He says a couple things. Mm -hmm. He listens to the podcast every week. Has he been canceled? Was Alec Baldwin the one who killed somebody? I hear that Gary Sinise is free. Oh, okay, great. He hasn't worked since 2020. <laughs> so, um, what would be the script that we would have Gary Sinise say for the Napping Through Happy Hour podcast? Listen to this damn show. Damn it. The Napping Through Happy Hour podcast brought to you by Geekscape. Real life, real drama, real time. I'm Gary Sinise. That's the That's ad. The ad. That's the ad. That's the ad. You're listening to the Geekscape Network.